I'm so excited about today, about what God's going to do this morning uh, during this service. We had a tremendous first service, and um, I know God is, is able. He's, he has a f- phenomenal plan for us this morning. Um, and um, before I get into that, um, just um, I want to comment on the situation in Israel, in Israel that is happening at the moment. Um, yesterday I heard, you know, I got this prayer update from someone um, who also knows a lot of people in Israel. I know quite a few there as well, but she said um, that um, Hamas was planning an attack on the city of Tel Aviv, um, and um, so like rockets would be fired on, on, on Tel Aviv, and thankfully, I checked this morning um, that um, the damage that was done was very minimal, and you know, thanks to the uh, defense system that, that Israel has, but also, I believe, because God still loves his you know, his people there in, um, in Israel. He still has a plan for them as well. And I just want you to know that whatever we see on uh, the news uh, channels here in the Netherlands uh, don't necessarily um, portray what is really going on in a very good way. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes, you know, it's slanted. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, we know people there. We, we have connections with uh, a church in Ashdod, which is near uh, Gaza Strip, actually. And they also have a location in Ashkelon. And actually, um, the building where their church meets in Ashkelon was hit by a rocket. Thankfully, nobody got hurt from the leadership of that church. And I don't think anybody from the church itself either. So praise the Lord for that. Um, but it's a, it's a crazy situation that's going on right there. And uh, we shouldn't think that, um, that, um, that all Palestinians will be like Hamas is. Actually, there's a lot of Palestinians that are uh, that are opposed to what Hamas is doing, which is a terrorist group that 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 has a grip on the Palestinian people there and on on the Gaza Strip. That is actually causing the uh, the rockets to be fired to Israel. Um, but many of the um, Palestinians, they're actually like, wait, wait, this is not us, right? They're like they're almost like uh, like a human shield in Gaza Strip because they live in the uh, the apartment buildings where they also have their launching pads for the rockets. And so whenever Israel strikes, strikes back, you, it's, it's, it's hard to not, you know, touch civilian targets there, even though they, they give forewarnings that, hey, leave your building because there's a launching pad right there. But what is important for us to, to is that we keep praying for the peace of, uh, of Jerusalem. That's what the Bible calls us to do. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, we pray for, for both Jews and Palestinians and every, every other nation that's represented there in, in Israel, that, uh, that there will be peace among them, that uh, those, the terrorism would stop, that all those attacks would stop, um, and that, uh, that we also need to realize that there's only one solution for peace in the Middle East, and his name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua. He's the only way towards peace in in Israel and any other nation in that that surrounding and God is a surrounding area and God is doing some amazing things there uh in in the surrounding area there that I cannot I don't know much uh, I don't know enough about right now to share about it but there's some good things happening and actually there's the gospel of the, of the kingdom is is moving forward uh, in Israel, but also in many of the Arab countries in the area there. And we gotta, just got to keep praying that, that God's going to show up in power. And maybe we could do that right now. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem in Israel and in the whole area there. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. God, we come to you at this moment. We just want to 
pray for, for Israel. We want to pray for every Jewish person there. We want to pray for every Palestinian person there. We want to pray also for the terrorists, Lord. Those who, who fire those rockets towards Israel, God, we want to pray for their hearts, Lord, that you'll make them soft, that they would see, Lord, that this is not a solution to their, to their need, to their situation either. And God, we pray, Lord, that you would move in a powerful way in Israel. God, that you would show yourself faithful, that you would show yourself the Lord of hosts, and, and, and that, that you would fight for, for your people, for everyone who is loyal to you, God, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray that, that, that you would protect cities like Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and all these other cities, Lord, where, 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 uh, that, that are receiving those rockets, God, from the Gaza Strip or from anywhere else. Lord, we pray that you would take control over this whole situation, that you would show yourself faithful, God, that you would bring... Um, Peace, Lord, between Jew and, and, and Palestinian, Jew and any other nation in that country, God, and that they would know Jesus, Yeshua, as their Messiah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today uh, we're going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit. Well, we've been speaking about the Holy Spirit for the last couple of weeks, and we had some great speakers uh, speak. Vivian did an awesome job, and, and I know Vince, I know uh, Peter spoke. Vince is still going to speak um, in this series as well. And I love this series, Open to the Spirit, uh, because we need to live lives that are open to the Holy Spirit. And today actually is Hebrew Pentecost. Did you realize that? It's, it started a week early. Pentecost. Well, it didn't. Uh, the Western calendar actually started a, a week late. And it has everything to do with the fact that the Hebrew calendar is a, I think, a moon-based calendar, while the, the Western calendar is not. So that, that creates the, the change in time, really. Uh, but this week is Shavuot, which is uh, the Feast of Weeks. It is, it is Hebrew Pentecost. It starts today. And this is a very important festival in the, in the Hebrew calendar and, and also for, for us as believers in, in, in Jesus. Because um, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of times during the year uh, that, that the Lord, that, that there's like special feasts going on. And actually the word feast is not a good translation of the Hebrew. Um, it actually, if you would translate it the right way, it will be an appointed time. There's appointed times that the Lord set in on his calendar where he wants to meet with his people in a special way, beyond the normal way he's meeting with us. Well, Sabbath is one of them, Shabbat. Like we have a weekly rhythm where, where we actually take time out to, to sit at the table and, and invite the Lord in a special way. And we talk about faith. We invite the Holy Spirit to work with us. We have communion. And it's an appointed time that the Lord has with us. He, he wants to meet with us. The Lord wants to meet with us. But there's also a couple of festivals during the year. Uh, those feasts, they're also appointed times. And, you know, of course, we had Passover a couple of, couple of weeks ago. You know, Easter, you know, what the Westerners call, call Easter. But Passover is a way better way to refer to it. And, and now there's Shavuot, which is, you know, Hebrew Pentecost. And there's a lot of meaning in what Shavuot really is. It's also one of those feasts um, where the Lord, and Miriam already hinted at this, where the Lord says, um, don't appear before me empty-handed. Passover, Shavuot, and then the uh, Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. And, and our, um, our um, Heart for the House campaign, I don't like the word campaign, but I'm using it anyway, um, when we actually 
give to the Lord above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings to invest in like world missions or building related things, you know, that is, that is something we want to highlight at this moment. And I think we've already raised about 5,000 5, euros or something up till now, uh, which is great. So uh, really awesome to see God move in that way. But also for our, um, our regular monthly giving, it is really important that, that we, we give back to the Lord. Um, you know, the foundation for, you know, the financial foundation for this church is our tithes and offerings. And, and, and so I want to highlight that as well, that we, we are faithful in this. And it's been amazing to see these last few months how many new people the Lord has been bringing to this church. Um, and at the same time, times like Corona are also transition times. Some people, they leave, other new people, they come in. Um, and, and it's always, you know, as a leader of a church, it's always a little scary because, you know, you're praying that the Lord would speak and, and show his biblical principles concerning our finances so that, so that actually stay strong um, in, uh, you know, financially as a church. And I know every time when we had times like that in the history of this church, God always came through. He's always been faithful. But it is important that we allow him to speak to our hearts um, and that we actually give back to him so that we can invest in the kingdom of the Lord through the local church. Because it's, you know, it's effective locally, regionally in the Netherlands and Europe, but also globally, you know, as we invest in Zimbabwe and Israel and other places in the world. You know, this is all part of our giving as well when we, when we give our finances to, back to the Lord. So pray about that. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me uh, or anyone else on the team. God, you know, there are some principles there, but we don't want this to be like a burden. We don't want this to be uh, any, any force or anything like that. No, this is something that the Lord has to show to you personally. And, and we really feel that that's an important thing in this whole, whole process. So empowered by the Spirit, that's the title of my message today. And, and Jesus said this in Acts chapter, chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come Upon you. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I need power. There's times in my life when I need refreshing, right? And I think we all need this. I think we all need the Holy Spirit to show up and, and fill us with His power on a day, on a daily basis, even. So this is a great promise for those who are weary, for those who are weak, for those who are, you know, are, you know, are tired of whatever is happening in the world around us. We need to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. There's power available. For us, And this is a promise that Jesus gave to us in the book of Acts right before his ascension. But it's not something that kind of stands on its own. It's like, well, Jesus came to earth, you know, like he's a son of God, and he had this great idea. Like, that, hey, you know, maybe it didn't work out so well, creation and everything else, so, so let's just give the people power. No, this is something that is firmly rooted in the Hebrew Bible. And when I say Hebrew Bible, I'm speaking about the Old Testament. The first part of the Bible, that part of the Bible that is sometimes so mysterious for us because it's such a different world that this was written to that it, we sometimes struggle to understand what the Old Testament really teaches us. I don't know about you, but these last few years, God has really opened up the Old Testament to me. And, and has really shown some really powerful things in there that you, you see in the New Testament as well. And in fact... The New Testament is like an inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired commentary on the Old Testament. It is, it is at the same level, it's as important as the Old Testament, but it, it kind of looks back 
to the Old Testament and, and sheds a new light on it, Christ's light on it, the light of the Holy Spirit on it as well. So God promised a, a new power that he would give to his people. And this power, uh, he promised that power already in the Old Testament. You know, when we look at, for instance, at, at Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, the Lord says this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God speaks about giving a new spirit. He speaks about giving a new heart. And one of the things that the Lord has been downloading to me in the last couple of days, and I knew this, you know, I, you know, I had to know this stuff, you know, as, as a biblical student. But it's like God revealed it to me in my spirit in a way like I've never sensed this before. Shavuot is a celebration in, in the old Hebrew world of the giving of the law of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. God gave his law to the people. The problem was that the Israelites who, were, who received the law, they weren't able to, able to keep it. They started to worship the golden calf and started to worship the gods of, of the nation where they moved to, like Canaan. So it was a problem. And then God gives this promise right here that he would not only just give the law, he wouldn't only give the law on paper or on tablets of stone. And I don't talk about, you know, like the tablets we have in our day. God gave the law on tablets, but now not only on stone, he gives the law on tablets of human hearts. Now that is a powerful truth because Shavuot, or Pentecost is the day when the law was given, right? And now you see in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully arrived, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And this scripture here in Ezekiel is being fulfilled. God writes the law on human hearts. So what a strategic moment to do this. this. There couldn't have been a better moment in the Hebrew calendar to pour out the Spirit than on the day of Pentecost, the day of Shavuot. Because the first covenant with Israel was enacted like on Mount Sinai through, through the giving of the law. And now this, the new covenant is given in the upper room, basically. Also somewhere higher. <laughs> And God writes the law on human hearts. He fulfills the first covenant in this new covenant by way of the Holy Spirit. This is powerful stuff here. This is really powerful. Jeremiah 31 verse 33, very similar to Ezekiel. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. God writes it on our hearts. And then Joel, chapter 2 verse 28 and 29, awesome Prophecy as well in the Old Testament. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. All flesh. So that means not just the Hebrews, not just the Israelites, not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles, also the Dutch people, also the Nigerians, the Surinamese, the people from the Philippines, also on the Palestinians. 
God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Wow. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. In other words, men or women alike. Those that have a high social standing and those who have a low social standing, there's no difference anymore. God wants to pour out his spirit on every person. Not just on the, on the priests, not just on the prophets, not just on the kings. He wants to pour it out on every single person. Everybody who's open to the spirit. God promised a new power and Jesus had that new power. How many of you know that Jesus is 100% God? How many? It's like three of you. How many of you know that Jesus is 100% God? Come on, every hand should be lifted right now. All right? <laughs> He's 100% God. But when Jesus lived in this world, he didn't live as God. He lived as, as a human. And this is really important for us to realize. Philippians chapter 2 is really clear about this. Because Jesus, you know... He, he's, he's part of the Trinity. He is 100% God, right? So he has all these divine privileges and authority and, and all these other things. These are all like invested in Jesus. But when he came to this earth, he, he willingly laid these things aside. He was still 100% God, but he lived on earth as a man. Why is this important? Because Jesus is giving us an example what it is to live as this person who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who is, is like supposed to be like the perfect Adam, so rather than the Adam that made mistakes and that sinned in, in the book of Genesis, he's now like the new Adam, the second Adam, and he lives the life the way God has wanted us humans to live. So Jesus laid aside his divine privileges when he came to earth. He was still 100% God, but chose not to use his divine authority and power here on earth so he could demonstrate what it meant to live as the man God initially designed. As a man, Jesus was 100% open to the Holy Spirit so that he could be clothed with the Holy Spirit's power. He could, he could wear like the Holy Spirit as a jacket on his life, and he could be filled with the Holy Spirit from, from within. John the Baptizer, I say John the Baptizer, not John the Baptist, because he's not part of a Baptist denomination. He's the Baptizer, he baptizes people, right? So, John the Baptizer, he said this about Jesus at his baptism. John 1:32, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. So he saw a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming down on, on Jesus. How powerful that must have been to see that. The Holy Spirit descending on this man. And this was already prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. Look at Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, upon Messiah, upon Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me he, to bring good news to the poor... He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. In other words, if the good news is no good news for the poor and the needy and the broken, it's no good news at all, right? 
To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. The spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. And he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. And John the baptizer sees this happen right before his eyes. He sees the fulfillment of this scripture of Isaiah 61 right before his eyes. How cool is that? And then the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' followers, he borrows the same language when he, he preaches in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He says this, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter acknowledges that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was set apart by the Holy Spirit for a task and a purpose to live out what it meant to be truly God's imager in this world. And God was with him. And I think that that is such a powerful explanation of who the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life and my life. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be in us. He wants to empower us. He wants to clothe us with power. He wants to send us on a mission in the world around us. God was with him. So God promised the power. Jesus had the power. And now Jesus gives us this new power. John 14, verse 12 and 14. Listen to this. This is Jesus speaking right here. Truly, truly, I say to you. I love that. In the Greek, it's amen, amen. It's like God is, you know, Jesus is like underlining what he's saying because there was no bold or italic or under, underscore, underline or whatever it is. So he uses amen, amen, right? Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Greater works. That's such a triggering thing that Jesus says right here. I mean, Jesus, come on, you raised the dead. Come on, you healed the sick. You cast out demons. And you say, greater works will you do? How is it even possible that we do greater works than Jesus? I think here's, here, this is exactly what, what I was just trying to say. That um, Jesus lived the life that we're supposed to live filled with the Holy Spirit, open to the Spirit. He gives the example, the right example for us. He, he was living, that's why he laid aside his divine privileges you know, when he, when he did miracles here on earth, he did it as a man filled with the Spirit rather than God. You get the difference here, right? This is very important to realize. So Jesus is here on earth, and he's saying to us, you will do greater works than I'm doing. Doesn't mean that the miracles that we can do are greater than the miracles that he did. Not necessarily. But what it does mean is that because Jesus, when he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, he was still limited in space and time. He could only be in one place at one time, right? But when his spirit would come and anoint all those followers of Jesus, which includes us, we could be sent into the world to do the same things that he was doing. So we're doing greater works because we're doing them at a larger scale. 
It's no longer limited to Galilee or Jerusalem or those places in, 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 in Israel. It is spread out over the whole world. That's a powerful truth as well. We could be filled with the same power so that the time and space limits that Jesus had are now overcome. And again, those words from John the baptizer. But watch, watch what comes after the verse that I already read. John 1, 32, 33. We just keep going back and forth in the Gospel of John. This is cool stuff. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, this is God speaking to John the baptizer, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So not only a water baptism, which is really important, there's a spirit baptism that's available to followers of Jesus. Not only did he see the spirit descending on Jesus like a dove, he prophetically knew that Jesus would send the spirit also on those who follow Jesus. Back to the end of the Gospel of John. Look at this. Jesus speaking to his disciples, the inner circle. He said to them again, peace be with you. Shalom be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So in other words, the disciples will be on the same mission that Jesus was on, right? And this, is, this is super clear in scripture right here. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, you would f first hope that Jesus had taken a minty, obviously, um, obviously, he's the son of God, so probably his breath doesn't smell like mine does sometimes. But here's something really interesting happening in the text. He breathed on them. Right? Jesus breathes on his followers. You know what the Greek word is? Enfusao. I think it's on the screen right there. Enfusao. Right? I could write it in Greek too, but I wanted you to spare the Greek letters there. And actually, a better translation of emphusao is he breathed into them. Because the word em, which is, so this is a, you know, like a, like a, like a word that's, there's two parts to the word, right? So the first part, em, means in, into. He breathed into them. Now, here's, here's something really interesting that's going on in the text. Because when you go back to the first chapters of Genesis, actually chapter 2, what happens there? Yahweh, the God who created heaven and earth, right? He creates man. And what does he do? He breathes life into his nostrils. I'm just going to read this verse right here. Genesis 2 verse 7. The Lord formed the Lord God. So Yahweh God... This should have been small capitals. We usually watch those, but this time I didn't catch it. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You're thinking, well, isn't Genesis written in Hebrew? Yes, you're right. But there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, LXX is the short for that, Septuagint. And I, I looked it up. I looked it up last night. I'm like, 
there's got to be more to this. It's like sometimes, you know, you're going through your notes. You're like, well, there's something more here. The Holy Spirit is, is highlighting something else here. So I went back to the Septuagint translation of, the, of Genesis 2 verse 7. And which word is being used? Enfusao. And New Testament writers, they were very much aware of the Septuagint translation. Even though it's not the original text, it was a text they often used. So when John uses the word emphasao and Genesis uses the word emphasao, there's a point John is trying to make. So Jesus, who is Yahweh himself, Yahweh here on earth, and then you have Yahweh in the Old Testament, God the Father, they're doing the very same thing. You know, Yahweh in the Old Testament, he breathes life into Adam and Adam becomes a living being. And here in the New Testament, you know, you see these disciples who were still, who didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. He was living with them in the person of Jesus, but they needed to receive the Holy Spirit in them. So Jesus breathes into them and they're filled with the Spirit. Enfusao. He breathes the breath of life, the Holy Spirit into their nostrils and they become alive to the Spirit. They have the same Pentecost, Shavuot, the experience that the, 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 the letter of the law is written on human hearts. Man, this is powerful stuff right here. So that's why the New Testament is so powerful. Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into us and the Spirit gives us power. Again, one, X 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. It starts out in our home base and no matter where you live, if, whether it's Lelystad or, or, or Almere like me and, and Vince and, or Hilversum or you know, what other towns do I see right here? Laren. You know, places way further than that. God says, I'm going to give you power so you'll be my witnesses in your hometown. And then to Judea, which is the area around it, and then Samaria, the, the people around you that you don't really want to witness to because you don't really like them. But you're still going to witness to them and then to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're committed to as a church, as Celebration Church through our churches in Zimbabwe and, and South Africa and America and other places in the world, but also our awakening family of churches. We want to make a difference. We want to make sure that word gets out. The gospel of the kingdom gets out to every nation and tribe and tongue to the uttermost parts of the world. That's what we're called to. The disciples, they could only receive the Holy Spirit if Jesus will go away. The, the video we watched so beautifully demonstrates that. That's why Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I'll go away. It's better that I don't stay here because the Holy Spirit that is in me and on me, you know, you need to receive the Spirit yourself so you could be my witnesses. But that means that I need to go away and you need to wait for the promise of the Father. You need to wait till Pentecost. You need to wait till Shavuot when the Holy Spirit gets poured out and, and the, the law gets written on your hearts and you receive this new power that you need to be my witnesses. But you got to wait till I go away. And in Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrives, 
had fully come. They were all together in one place. They were united. They were, they were one. They were sitting in this upper room expecting a move from God, expecting something that they didn't even know what it looked like. They were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So, so this is exactly what I was speaking about, right? So, so the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus, on one person. And now you see here these disciples in this upper room. And on each of them, there was a tongue of fire representing the Holy Spirit. Everybody, every one of them would receive the Holy Spirit. We're receiving the Holy Spirit. And He wants to do the same thing in our lives today. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Man, this is so powerful. And I just love that the Holy Spirit, that He is available to you and me. He's actually in this room right now. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus is here and He wants to fill every one of us. The Holy Spirit is God's presence in us and with us. And wherever we go, wherever we live our lives, wherever we, you know, work and go to school or whatever, Holy Spirit wants to go with us, to empower us, to be that witness to Jesus, to be that imager, that, that representative of God in the lives that we live, to the people around us. He is the, God's presence with us and in us. And He empowers us to represent Him through our lifestyles, through, with our spiritual gifts, with, with the power to share the good news. But it means that you and I, we need to be filled with the power. I've got the power. You remember that song? This is not our power. It's his power. We need his power in our lives. There's so much bad theology about the Holy Spirit. Like one of the, one of the wrong ideas about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit was poured out once and for all in Acts chapter 2. And that... He's now, yeah, he's there, but he's only a name that we see in a statement of faith of a local church rather than actually have the life where we experience the presence of the Spirit in our lives today. I believe that the Holy Spirit is real and actual and that we can experience him right now, that we can actually be filled with his power today. In fact, if you go back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, you see the first infilling of the Holy Spirit and then persecution comes because what happens when we're on fire for God persecution will come that is what happens everywhere when you want to testify for him and when you know when you're like so excited to have Jesus in your life there's gonna there's gonna be people that don't like it that's what the disciples experienced Acts chapter 2 some miracles were happening and as a result of those miracles the religious authorities they cut them off basically like don't speak in that name anymore so they gathered together there. I, I would think they would be a little bit afraid by then. So they gathered together in Acts chapter 4. You got to read the story. So they're there. It's, it's a happening that's very similar to that, that day in the upper room where the Holy Spirit was poured out. They were praying 
I, I, I could think that they're like interceding. God, just help us, give us strength. Be with us as we, as we want to continue your work here in Jerusalem. And what happens, the place is shaken again. The Holy Spirit is poured out again upon his people. And they go out to preach Jesus some more. They're not afraid anymore because the Holy Spirit fills them. I don't know where you are in your life today, but I know with this crazy season that's behind us, with well, hopefully behind us with Corona and everything, or maybe some other situations in your life that you can feel empty from time to time. Maybe you've experienced an infilling of the Holy Spirit before in your life, but it's like when you're honest at this moment, you feel like you're, it feels dry. Your life feels dry. I believe God wants to do this very same thing in your life today as he did in Acts chapter 4 and fill you again with his Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you are from a traditional background. You didn't know actually that the Holy Spirit is a real person who wants to give a real power and a real force in your life today. I want to encourage you. Open yourself up to the Spirit today so you can receive his power. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, or you're watching. You're like, well, I kind of never thought about this before. And I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus before. I never really made him the king of my life. Well, you can't have the spirit of the king in your life if you're not submitted to the king. You need to be submitted to the king. You need to profess loyalty to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, to be able to receive the power that he has for you and me, for all of us. So today is your challenge to surrender to the king because Jesus is the king and he's coming, he's returning, he will return soon to this world to, to claim what is his. So let's pray. Maybe we can all stand to our feet. Maybe we could all hold our hands in like a receiving, you know, position, posture. Because if the Holy Spirit is real, if he clothed Jesus, if he anointed Jesus, if he anointed those disciples, and if he can anoint us, he can anoint you today. He can fill you up again. He can empower you again. He can anoint you. He can give you whatever you need in your life today so you could be that representative for Jesus in the world around you. So we're going to pray right now that the Lord is going to fill us up like never before. And, and maybe just start calling out to him right now in your own words. Lord, fill me. Maybe just say that. Just Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with power. Fill me with power for the first time. Fill me with power again. Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. Just say it in your own words. Let's, let's have a roar of prayer at this place right now. Lord, fill me. Just don't be shy. Don't be shy. It's, it's important that we actually vocalize this to the Lord right now. Lord, fill me again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit, God. We need you. I need you, Lord. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your, I need, I need your very Holy, Holy Spirit with me. Your Holy Presence with me and in me. In the name of Jesus. My God, I just pray, Lord, right now that your spirit would come down like a dove, like 
he descended on Jesus when he was in the waters of baptism. Send on us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, empower us with your Spirit. And God, I want to pray for every person who's watching or who's in this room right now who hasn't given their lives to you yet, who haven't profess you to be their king of their lives. Lord, I just pray for them right now that they would surrender to you, Lord. And maybe say that to the Lord right now. I surrender. I surrender to your lordship. I surrender to your kingship at this moment and fill me with your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen, amen.